0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmerz Day, October 24th, 2022. On the show today, news, listener questions, and news surveys. Then in our main segment, Jim finishes up the history of the 1999 redo of Epcot's Journey into Imagination. Let's get started by bringing in the man who notes that when people say, make yourself at home, that's permission to rearrange their silverware drawer into a more logical layout. It's Mr. Jim Hill.
1: Jim, how's it going? It's going well, Lynn. I, speaking of making yourself at home, when people invite you to their home and serve you dinner, what is your instinct when it comes time to clear? Do you get up to help you grab plates and, and walk into the, the kitchen? Um, yes, because otherwise they won't leave you a tip. <laughs> okay, okay. I, <laughs> what, do, I what were you thinking? <laughs> I don't know. Smashing there are plates like we're in Greece? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were hostesses that love this, and there are hostesses who, who kind of get a nerve bite. It's like, no, no, your job is to sit there. Don't come in my kitchen. I don't want you to see, you know, the, the, yeah, ignore uh, the yeah, man behind go, the curtain. Oh, that's right. I know? never thought
0: of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess it's been so long since I've been over someone's
1: house for dinner, you know, with the pandemic and everything. Well, I didn't say they invited me, Len. I mean, you know, just, you, know, <laughs> you, you just, walk uh, around you the neighborhood up. checking doors. You know, just. <laughs> hey,
0: you got, everyone's got to eat, Chip.
1: Everyone's there we go. There we go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, Jen Surma, S.M. Bernhardt1964, Josh Hopkins, and VB Camp, and longtime subscribers, James from Above, Dan McGillen, Daron Johnson, and Chris Taylor. Jim, these are the Jungle Cruise skippers who were mistakenly assigned to work the narration at Epcot's opening day, Listen to the Land Ride, while guests to this day say it was the best entertainment ever offered in the land pavilion it also resulted in new guidelines from crafts lawyers on the proper pronunciation of the word quinoa and a new operations manual titled guest rescue from hydroponic assemblies
1: volume one true story speaking of true stories on the flight back from orlando this past week i read a book called a walk in the park reflections from disneyland's first host written by a gentleman called bob darcy that talks about the park has only been open for like six weeks at this point, and Bob friends one of the musicians who's working at the Golden Horseshoe, who then at one point turns to him and said, hey, would you like to turn on? And long story short... (laughs) Like dropping acid in the parks? Actually, it was a more innocent time. They just slipped away to a quiet corner of the park, which, by the way, turned out to be right next to the giraffe on the Jungle Cruise. And lit up there. Okay, that could go either way. It turns out that the giraffe at that time had a name, Blinky. Blinky. And one point when they were down there smoking... They noticed that the grass that had been in Blinky's mouth, so that sort of simulate, you know, his head would rear up and as if he had been eating the brush right behind. Sure. That's what you saw from the the Jungle Cruise boat. And they noticed that someone else had found this spot and and had been enjoying it (laughs) because someone had left behind a bra and a pair of panties. So they put those in Blinky's mouth. Oh God! (laughs) So what they describe in the book is the giraffe rears up behind the foliage, and you know is then chewing on the you know the panties and the uh, the bra, and the poor jungle cruise driver just loses it, you know, because it's like, (sighs) why yes, I'm supposed to be. And now that's
0: canon on the jungle cruise in Disneyland. There we go. There we go. That is fantastic. Yep. All right, Jim, let's do the news. Folks, the Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish Podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. All right, Jim, you and I have a couple of events coming up. Mm -hmm. The second annual Gingerbread Challenge in Walt Disney World, which starts Friday, December 2nd, 2022. We're also doing a live podcast recording on December 2nd, and tickets
1: are available at Storybook Destinations. Mm -hmm. The uh, topic is March of the Wooden Soldiers, right, Jim? Yes, it is, and in fact, these characters have been part of the Christmas parade since the early 60s Mm -hmm. at Disneyland, so I know Mm -hmm. there are people out there who wore these massively heavy suits and marched to the park. And frankly, Len and I would love to hear from you to share a story or two okay, about yeah. what it's like to wear this outfit and be part of the Christmas parade. So if you, you feel like reaching out and sharing a story or two, we'd love to feature this as part of the, this live podcast we'll be doing. That's fantastic, and we're uh, we're doing the podcast
0: at Disney's Contemporary Resort, mm-hmm. which is walking distance to the Magic Kingdom. I think uh, breakfast starts at eight a.m. on mm-hmm. December second. Podcast starts around eight thirty or so, and should run no for no more than what Jim three, four, six hours. Oh, g- g-
1: get her. Bring a <laughs> cod, folks. Yes,
0: <laughs> and then from there we're directly going to go to the Magic Kingdom. We will do uh, the uh, Gingerbread Challenge. We will do the second annual Race for Tomorrow Today at the Tomorrowland Speedway, and also the Country Bear Singalong. Plus some other things that should be a hoot. Also, I'm speaking at IAPA on November 18th and that's in the morning. I will get you guys a link to register for this if you want to come along. And then finally, you and I are doing the Galactic Star Cruiser on March 30th, 2023. There are only a few cabins left for this. I think last week we said, Jim, or two weeks ago, we said there were only like two dozen cabins left on the entire ship. Mm -hmm. And we had booked two dozen cabins. So that's a lot of people. So a lot of, uh, a lot of Disney Dish listeners uh, yeah. should be there. That'll be, is going, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. So again, storybookdestinations.com slash Disney Dish mm-hmm. uh, for that. Cool, cool. All right, Jim, uh, on to the news. Uh, every show should begin with a round of self-congratulations, Jim. On mm-hmm. last week's show, we hinted that a beloved Hollywood Studios thing will return the first week of November. Lo and behold... This week, Disney announced the return on Fantasmic, starting November third, mm-hmm. with cast member and media previews on November first and second. So, the return of the show is going to include an extra three minutes of runtime, so it'll be just under half an hour, and that
1: includes a new scene, uh, Jim, focusing on Disney heroes. What have you? What have you heard about this? I don't know if you are familiar with the show and amazement that they did at Disneyland back in the mid 90s but they did the Hercules number I can go the distance which then Mm -hmm. blended into you know uh, out there from Hunchback of Notre Dame and then dovetailed into just around the River Bend from Pocahontas and it then became this amazing trio and oh. uh, and supposedly this history, heroes number is going to try to sort of replicate that same field the notion of blending you know the music you know, the musical themes we associate with disney heroes with a number of performers on stage who are sort of in separate spotlights, but eventually begin to interact together so it, i mean it really sounds like a cool idea
0: yeah, that sounds interesting. We'll see yep. how that uh, how that begins out. So mm-hmm. the uh, the runtime uh, is I believe 29 minutes now, which as far as Disney spectaculars go is yeah. is fairly
1: long, right? I'm honestly kind of surprised. I, n- normally the way especially these days Disney, you know, yeah. goes is like, yeah, we chopped 2 minutes out. You know, but added yeah. 3 minutes. Yeah. I mean, Illuminations was 18 minutes. This is 50% longer than that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is is this should be uh, available for reservations in Genie Plus, and my guess is that uh, Genie Plus reservations won't count uh, towards your like next Genie Plus reservation. Mm-hmm. I can make rules. We'll see what happens there. Also, uh, Monsieur Paul has reopened at Epcot's France Pavilion as a fixed price menu, mm-hmm. and taking a page from the Victorian Albert's playbook, mm-hmm. it's priced at one hundred and seventy five dollars per person. Mm-hmm. Also, only available to guests ages ten and up. Plus, Jim, a dress code. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting, right? First of all, a dress code inside a theme park is challenging. They're essentially betting on people coming back into the park just for dinner. Mm -hmm. And that limits guests to those with just park hoppers Mm -hmm. or those who have been to Epcot early in the day and... Who want to pay over two hundred dollars
1: per person to eat in a theme park? That's a that's a big bet. Yeah, that's also a tiny, tiny subset of people. But okay, there's a part of me that wants to show up at nine o'clock in the morning and get a suit and tie, and then just march around the park. <laughs> just to show the, uh, up, and, I'm here for my eight o'clock reservation. It's like, yeah, put me by a window.
0: I wonder if you could if you could do the Dick Nunes, uh suit and Bermuda short outfit. Oh. Would that count? I'd love yeah, that. I know. Bring... Now, now we all have ideas.
1: <laughs> no, that that would be perfect. I would actually bring my copy of Walter Prentice with me. You know, when they challenge me, hey, 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 Mister hey, Nunes.
0: Nunes. exactly, exactly. Because he was wearing he was wearing a suit jacket, vest, shirt, tie, Bermuda shorts, and calf length white
1: socks. Yeah, and it, it didn't it didn't look bad. That, right? No, it didn't. But Nunes tried so hard to get this adopted as summer wear at the resort and people It was his thing. Yeah, yeah. Get, they just resisted. It was like just I, I think it's a lot of guys with pasty wet legs They're like, no, not doing this. No. <laughs> yeah. You know.
0: Well, I mean I tried when we were on the when we did the Disney dish and the Disney Wish cruise, mm-hmm. I was wearing a jacket and dress shirt and shorts and I was dying. It was hot. Yeah, but it uh, so good I can't on imagine you, doing that. I mean, in, you know, I know, just, I know.
1: That 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 phosphorescent red jacket, you know, just. Mm.
0: <laughs> I didn't tell you this, but afterwards, I uh, so I came home and had to prep for the the hurricane which was coming mm-hmm. up. So I actually didn't launder that jacket for a week. Oh, Jim! And when I came back, it had evolved its own ecosystem, which is a whole separate show that we should talk <laughs> about. But I don't, I don't. The laundry bill for uh, Dick nunes inspired wardrobe in Walt Disney World would have to be incredible. Uh-huh. Anyway, yes. Other uh, other stuff returning, Jim. Akersh's Royal Banquet Hall returns to operation at Epcot's Norway Pavilion starting November 4th, so next mm. week. I hear the hours are like late lunch and dinner only right now, mm-hmm. which is probably due to a princess shortage. Also, this is interesting because if you look at this, yep. Disney seems to be moving away from in-park breakfast options. Mm-hmm. If you look at Be Our Guest, Be Our Guest, I think, starts serving lunch now at 10 a.m., and that's a fixed-price menu, so it's a way of increasing revenue at those popular locations. So I think if more dining comes back to Shoes, I don't think they'll be serving breakfast unless it's the fixed-price breakfast buffet, or they'll just start lunch at 10 o'clock.
1: Wow. Um, a quick question. Over at the mm-hmm. Crystal Palace, the, the, mm-hmm. is the, the, the Winnie the Pooh thing, is that doing breakfast? Let me see.
0: Uh, no So uh, No It uh, it starts with lunch mm-hmm. So not breakfast yet Wow Actually I take that I take that back Breakfast is supposed to start tomorrow <laughs> Oh okay So Okay So better, that might, again better. That might be a shortage of things
1: Okay But
0: I wonder I wonder if breakfast will be 8am That's super interesting Alright so we'll have to see what happens there Okay Okay Also uh, Jim uh, A bit of personal news mm-hmm. uh, You know that we both love the Disney theme parks, no matter how much we criticize them. Mm -hmm. And I don't want the criticism thing to bring everybody down. That's not a show worth listening to. Mm -hmm. So for the rest of the year, Jim, starting with our October 31st show, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say nothing but positive things about the Walt Disney Company for the rest of the year. And Jim, that means that if news comes out that Bob Chapek is employing eight-year-olds to run plastic extrusion equipment in his basement to manufacture cheap popcorn buckets for annual pass holders, why, that's just Disney executives training this country's future workforce on valuable life skills and the benefits of hard work. It's like their own little version of junior achievement, Jim. That's how I'm going to approach this from
1: now on. (laughs) Well, (laughs) uh, I am looking forward to weeks and weeks of contortion here. (laughs) All right.
0: Uh, Last thing, our friends at uh, WDWMagic.com have reported that due to a shortage of characters, Disney will be cutting back character greetings across property starting this Wednesday, October 26th. For those of you playing along at home, it's not a labor shortage of talents. There's a shortage of talent willing to work for below market pay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, character greetings impacted so far include Minnie Mouse, both at uh, the Epcot International Gateway and the Town Square Theater. Also, Donald, Daisy, and Max at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Jim, the positive spin on this news is that it's going to make the remaining character greetings that much more magical for guests who are able to experience them. And don't we all love magic, Jim?
1: Oh, <laughs> you see this where this is going to go be for the an next interesting couple of weeks,
0: Len. <laughs> And here's what inspired this, Jim. Uh, We're talking about surveys. So my friend Justin just sent in a Disney Cruise Line survey, which we'll get to in uh, the next show. Mm -hmm. But he pointed out that the phrasing of some of the questions on that survey were not exactly neutral. Mm -hmm. And this led Justin to come up with his own survey question about rise of the resistance downtime. I will now read to you Justin's survey question. Mm -hmm. Rate how strongly you agree or disagree with the following statements. When Star Wars Rise of the Resistance is closed unexpectedly, I feel like Disney is prioritizing guest safety and ensuring a high-quality experience. I feel a heightened sense of achievement when I'm able to experience Rise of the Resistance (laughs) that wouldn't be possible if the attraction was operating continuously. (laughs) Oh. Oh. Because Star Wars: Rise of the Resistance spans three action-packed stages of immersive adventure, I am simply impressed by however many showings are available each
1: day. <laughs> oh, that number two response, Justin. That, that, ooh, ooh, chef's kiss. That just ooh
0: again. I'm gonna I am going to do this for the rest of the year. We'll see what happens. It's okay. gonna be great. <laughs> all right uh, speaking of surveys uh heather sent in a new universal orlando survey mm-hmm. with a couple of interesting questions and jim I, I think you'll appreciate this next we'd like to know a little bit about any past and future visits to universal orlando as well as other orlando area theme parks mm-hmm. when was your most recent visit to the universal orlando theme parks and the options are within the past six months seven to eleven months ago one to two years 35 years six to ten years more than 10 years ago or I've never visited. And the interesting thing is the next question is, mm-hmm. when was your most recent visit to Walt Disney World with the same options? Mm-hmm. And then the most interesting question was, mm-hmm. when do you next intend to visit both Walt Disney World and Universal Orlando? I haven't seen that question before, have you, Jim?
1: No, no. And I am just fascinated by what Universal Orlando it is up to these days. And Something like this, we're just, you know, and when are you next going to the mouse? When did you last go to the mouse? I mean, they uh, there's something in the lend. And again, I think previously you were looking at earlier surveys. I get the feeling there's a marketing campaign coming that Disney is not going to like. That's what I think. Well, I think the other thing is, is um,
0: I haven't seen it yet, but there was a release of the themed entertainment association, AECOM report. Mm-hmm. Uh, numbers for 2021. And normally this comes out in like June, mm-hmm. but you know, pandemic and all of that. But mm-hmm. it looked like, and I, I, have go, I have to go back and read the numbers in detail, mm-hmm. it looked like both of Universal's Orlando theme parks mm-hmm. skipped over three of the four Disney theme parks in Orlando as far as US attendance. So the Magic Kingdom is still the number one park with like, oh, you know, 12.7. Mm-hmm. Visitors, but Universal Islands of Adventure was next, mm-hmm. and then Universal Studios Florida. So that they skipped over the studios Epcot and Animal Kingdom, and that's wow. never happened before.
1: Holy cow!
0: Yeah, and some of that is you know how I, I think Universal um ramped up its attendance in 2021 faster mm-hmm. than Disney did during the pandemic. But mm-hmm. you know, if Universal's Islands of Adventure was at like 9.1 million guests. Mm-hmm. And, and Animal Kingdom was at like 7.2, right? Mm-hmm. So for a difference of 1.9 million, that's you can't explain all of that away by the ramp-up in attendance, right? That's just popularity there. No. Same thing with Universal Studios Florida at 9 million. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's a gap of 1.8 million versus Animal Kingdom. I think objectively you can say that both of those parks are more popular, both the Animal Kingdom and Epcot. Wow. Again, that's I, super interesting.
1: Absolutely. But you, you got to wonder how much of that is the one two punch of, you know, for example, for islands getting, what was it, Hagrid's and then VelociCoaster, you know, up and yeah, running? Yeah, which is a great and, coaster. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Also,
0: it was more available. And it goes back to remember the, the survey questions that we had seen uh, a couple of weeks ago about the hassle involved in yes. planning that Universal was asking? If you have to make park reservations, and you mm. went through this last week, right? We, we mm. talked about this on the, uh, on the last show and the park reservation system doesn't work Mm -hmm. right but Universal lets everybody in that's a different experience right it is and I point that out saying that it's October we're recording this on October 20th Mm -hmm. and there are already no park reservations available for Christmas at some (laughs) Disney World parks
1: isn't there supposedly a Disney executive meeting a retreat that's being held on property even as we speak yeah right uh, this week in Walt Disney World yeah I just hope to God they get out of that tiny little conference room or more to the point that they don't just take the van to backstage at Epcot and walk in the back door at, at Guardians. It, it's time for these guys to actually get back in the guest shoes and really yep. experience what people are going through. Because I, I think they don't know what's going on.
0: No, they don't. Yeah, no idea. It's funny you mentioned that because I got a uh, call today from a friend of mine who, um, who was meeting some friends who had booked a hotel stay at a Disney Springs resort. Mm -hmm. So like the Wyndham or something like that. And those guests that stay at those hotels get the early theme park entry privilege at the Walt Disney World Resorts. It's one of the things that they've extended to the good neighbor hotels. Mm -hmm. And so I get this question today at like 830 and it was like, how do these people demonstrate to the Disney cast members at the parks that they are staying at one of these hotels? Mm -hmm. Because these people did not sign up for my Disney experience. They simply bought tickets or you know, receive tickets, a you know, plastic card, mm-hmm. so they don't have MDE accounts. And the number of questions that we had, the number of people I had to ask mm-hmm. to get that question answered at least in a vague way was mm-hmm. astounding. So like I had thought mm-hmm. you would just show up and use your room key, show your room key, but of course you can't scan the room key. Mm-hmm. Room keys can be reused and Disney's not going to let that happen. Right? So the answer that we came up with was all of these people would have to create my Disney experience accounts. And then link their existing reservations for these hotels before they could, and then link the ticket before they could enter the park. And then we pointed out that, well, they had to do this anyway because Mm -hmm. they had to make park reservations. And you can't do that with a My Disney Experience account. And you can't do things like mobile order food without a My Disney Experience account either. And so there's this, you know, this multi-step process that I was walking somebody through. Mm -hmm. Like, let me know how this works out. Good luck. And I wasn't even sure it was possible to link those accounts. I know you could do it for like the Swan and Dolphin reservations, but like for the, did Disney's IT department really go through the the process of linking in reservation systems for all the Disney Springs hotels? Like, like that's a 50-50 proposition for me. Mm. Anyway, I'll, I'll let you know next week how that turns out.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. I just feel like any moment when, you know, somebody is on vacation and they ask you a question and you, you without even thinking, you reach for the whiteboard. <laughs> exactly, exactly. How much
0: time do you have for this answer? Yeah, sure. All right, on to listener questions. Here's one from Krista who says, uh, we visited Epcot twice during our recent visit to Walt Disney World. In the Appleseed Orchard booth, they advertised and had for sale a reusable corksicle mini pint glass. On the sign outside the Canada Pavilion, it said something like, be sustainable and get this cup to reuse throughout the festival. When we passed the first time, we had only recently arrived, so I thought I could buy this glass at many booths, but after much looking, we found we could only buy it at Appleseed Orchard. We paid $32, not including cider for the cup, because it's a good souvenir, and as good Oregonians, Mm -hmm. we like to minimize our single-use plastic use. So we were very disappointed to find that the vast majority of locations wouldn't let us use our cups for drinks. They said it was for sanitary reasons, which I've heard before and understand, but they advertised it as sustainability measures and then wouldn't let us use it for that reason. The only place that let us use it was the Fry booth, which didn't use it to make our cocktail, but for various reasons, we think that that was a cast member decision and not following policy. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear your thoughts on how this disconnect happened. Why would one festival booth be advertising for something like this that couldn't be used at other booths? So we, mm-hmm. we sent someone into the parks. read the fine print on the corksicle sign and here's Mm what the sign says sip in style throughout and long after the epcot international food and wine festival with the purchase of a reusable corksicle stemless flute Mm -hmm. so i see krista's point about the words sip in style throughout you know the epcot food and Wine festival Mm -hmm. i'd read that and i also think it could be used at the food booths right if i read that Mm -hmm. but there's nothing that explicitly says that so disney's reasoning could be uh you know hey you can fill this up with water at your hotel and sip from it in style as you walk around World Showcase, right? So I, it's vague, right? Yeah. It would be less confusing to guests like Krista if Disney added a line at the end saying, "Cannot be used to fill drinks at food and wine booths or other dining locations in Walt Disney World theme parks for sanitary reasons," right? Yeah, I see Krista's point here. I think that could be uh, better clarified. Yeah, uh, she's not wrong. Not wrong. Right, good to know. All right, from Patrick. In episode 390, readers discussed the problem of dining reservation hoarding and possible solutions. I thought I'd throw out the idea of randomizing the re-entry of those reservations into the pool of availability as a solution. Current hoarding strategies rely on the timing of one user canceling a reservation, while nearly concurrently another user then books the reservation, essentially transferring it. If you introduce something to disrupt that sequence even slightly, it would reduce the predictability of that strategy. Essentially, if Disney implemented some type of queuing mechanism when a reservation is canceled, that randomizes the timing in which the inventory was reintroduced into the system, say, randomly between two and 60 minutes from now, that could thwart these types of hoarding schemes. It's not bulletproof, but it could be relatively easy to implement, and it doesn't complicate the reservation process or charge a fee, and it makes gaming the system more difficult. So I like this idea, actually. I think it's pretty interesting from Brad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, number one, because it seems relatively simple to implement, like you could put canceled reservations on a queue, mm-hmm. you could pull them back from the queue at random times between two and 60 minutes, like he says, and that doesn't seem to affect other users uh, too much. Mm-hmm. The other option I thought about would be providing a certain number, like three mm-hmm. uh, of reservation cancellations per month before charging a credit card. So Disney does this right now, Jim, with, um, with park reservation cancellation, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. You can cancel up to three and then, then you're prohibited from making more. Mm-hmm. They could do the same thing, right, for dining reservations. It'd be more complicated to implement, uh, so Disney's unlikely to do it because it wouldn't generate revenue, Um, but it would prevent uh, exactly this scenario. So yeah, there's a couple of options. That's good. Good news. All right. An email from Chris who says, in the latest episode, y'all asked where the Boba Fett and Fennec Shand were showing up in Disneyland's Galaxy's Edge. Our family was there in late August, and we saw them both on separate days in the space between the Marketplace area and Rise of the Resistance. The Fennec was great, too. Thanks for an awesome podcast. All right, that's
1: interesting. So, Disneyland's got more characters right now, right? Yeah, but Brady McDonald of the Orange County Register uh, interviewed Scott Trowbridge earlier mm-hmm. this year about this very thing about you know these folks coming in, and the problem, of course, being that the bulk of Galaxy's Edge is themed specifically for this space between. The Last Jedi and uh, The Rise of Skywalker. And yeah. their solution was to create, you know, according to Scott, what they call story bubbles. So, for example, the very area that, that Chris is referring to here, the, the space between the marketplace and the rise of resistance, is... The Book of Boba Fett story bubble. And mm-hmm. supposedly, the rules have been handed out to the other performers working the park the Ray, the Kylo Ren, the Chewbacca that you cannot enter this area. Er- you know, the it's bubble. like the Ghostbuster, you cannot cross the streams. <laughs> I, I'm going to be fascinated come November when the Mandalorian and Grogu come into yeah. uh, Disneyland's version of, of Black Spire Outpost. And it's like, okay, where's their bubble? Because I, I think they're actually or in the, the Switzerland equivalent of this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, you can hang out with with Boba Fett and Fenix Shen, but if Kylo comes, you got to run into Ogas, get a table, hide. <laughs> <laughs> they have an escape plan that's documented. There we go. There we go.
0: But I like this idea of breaking Galaxy's Edge up into areas in which each part of the trilogy or the,
1: the series can exist. On our last show, didn't well, what a, Yeah, I, it was I, a great I, idea. What, yeah. I, I, I mean, seriously, somebody in Imagineering has to take that and run with it because it's just when you look at what they're doing on the Avengers campus. I mean, for example, last right. week, the day that Werewolf by Night debuted on Disney Plus, they had yeah. a werewolf figure stalking, get you know, across the rooftops of Avengers Campus. And they have been so on point about getting the characters from each of the new, you know, whether it's the films or the limited series and getting them in the parks. And, you know, yeah. on the other hand, it's like, hello, I'm Kylo Ren and here are my two stormtroopers. Go get some blue milk. <laughs> No, I think uh, it, uh, on our last show it was Derek who suggested
0: this mm. idea there we go. of a. Uh, Thank yeah, you again Derek, the, great idea. The, the so. Yeah, fantastic idea. I would be absolutely fine if uh, if Disney did it. And I'm not I'm saying that, you know, I we preach about the importance of theme and continuity, you know, mm-hmm. in the parks. This would be one of those areas where I could sort of squint my eyes mm-hmm. and and be okay with it. Yeah. Right? Just because with the land is already built, and now mm-hmm. we have to retrofit it in, so we're retconning. Mm-hmm. But I think it would it would make the experience better for guests oh, if absolutely. we had things like Darth Vader and
1: mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker and yeah. Han Solo in Galaxy's Edge. Given the prices, guest is charging these days, give the public yeah. what it wants. Okay, a little Darth Vader. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's like you know, for all the for all the contortions
0: that they put themselves into to justify price increases and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, like continuity
1: of galaxy's edge is the, is the hill they are going to die on. seems a little weird. I do want to point that there's a Bavarian castle at the end of main street. All right. (laughs) Different theme park, Jim.
0: (laughs) All right. Last uh, reader email from Jeanette. Uh, And this is related to the, uh, the magic band QR code. Uh, on the cardboard boxes that we reported Mm -hmm. on a couple weeks ago where they linked to vacuum cleaner parts. Jeanette writes in and says, I've worked in pharmaceutical packaging and labeling for over 15 years. The idea that QR codes leads to the wrong webpage is intriguing and quite frightening to me. Mm -hmm. It's literally part of my job to make sure that doesn't happen. Of course, not being able to charge your magic bands probably isn't life-threatening where taking your medications incorrectly can be. Mm -hmm. I've always wondered if my skills here could ever be transferred to working at Disney, and you have restored (laughs) my hope. That's us, Jim. Good for we you, restored Gina, hope. Apply today, all right? Are you competent? Yes, you're hired. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever died from your QR labeling? No? Okay, great. How's Monday for you to start? Monday?
1: Monday good? <laughs>
0: great. All right, folks. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim finishes up the story of the disastrous first redo of Epcot's Journey to Imagination, which happened in 1999. We'll be right back.
1: Now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Do you remember the sorts of problems you were asked to solve back when you were in school? X plus Y equals Z? Well, who could have dreamed, once you became an adult, that you'd be facing problems that were far tougher to solve than algebra? Things like, how do I get out of my own way? I faced a similar sort of challenge right after my divorce when, when my ex took our then infant daughter and moved 6,000 miles away. There's no other way to say it, folks. I was a wreck. Mind you, it all worked out in the end, in large part because I was smart enough to listen to the advice of friends and family and then got into therapy, which was where I then learned the skills to, well, be less stressed, become more confident, realize that there were brighter days ahead. I honestly have to say there is no better feeling when you finally learn how to find the solutions to your own problems, and and talking to a therapist can help you acquire just those sorts of problem-solving skills. So if you find yourself in a similar sort of situation, if life's gotten to be a little overwhelming, well, why not give BetterHelp a try? BetterHelp is convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. And you can get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists at any time. Look, if you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash disney dish today to get ten percent off your first month. That's b e t t e r h e l p.com slash disney dish. We thank them for sponsoring today's show. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: In part two, where we left off, journey into your imagination. The disastrous redo of the original ride closed October 8th, 2001. It had a two-year and one-week run. Which I believe is what twenty four Skaramuchis? No, how many Skaramuchis <laughs> is that? It's like forty eight Skaramuchis. I can't. I can't convert between impet, uh, metric and imperial. There we go. Mm-hmm. And then, so so Disney needed to rescue this thing,
1: right? Yep. It was it was so bad mm-hmm. that the the ride closed after two years in a and a week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What did they do? They turned to Imagineer David Mumford, who was literally handed the assignment to save this future world pavilion and uh, uh, excellent choice because dave was a disney lifer i mean literally his first gig of the company as a teenager he was a ride operator of the submarine voyage at disneyland park starting in 74 and then he began his career at imagineering be as part of the all hands on deck effort with epcot i mean he started his 23 year long career and in 79 when he was brought in to be a show set draftsman on the land pavilion for Epcot. Okay, so he has some familiarity with, the, uh, with Epcot then. Okay, cool. Yeah, but David loved to tell the story about when he decided to become an Imagineer and it just, it, it he was literally sitting at at home it, he would have been seven years old and he's okay. watching the Wonderful World of Color and specifically it's the episode Disney at the fair. Oh, the World's Fair episode, yeah. 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 But there's this moment in the show length when they're showing the dinosaurs that are, are going into the Magic Skyway exhibit that, that Ford is doing. And yeah. it, this amazing transition where somebody holds up a piece of construction paper that somebody has, has drawn on of, of, with uh, pastels of this scene with a family of brontosauruses in water eating vegetables, and then they pull it down, right. and there behind them is the actual animatronics being built for the show. And seven-year-old David is Oh my God, that's the job I want. You build dinosaurs. So we now jump ahead to nineteen seventy-nine and and David, you know, is there for his orientation tour at, at Imagineering. And they okay. walk him into fabrication. And there on the floor, they're building the Baradasaurces that go into the universe of energy pavilion. He literally at that moment achieved his childhood dream. I'm working at the place that builds dinosaurs, and he, and he talks about how the guy who's leading him around the building are are you okay? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Why are you crying? And it's like I, I'm yeah, sorry, you, give me a moment here. A lot cry <laughs> you know, first, yeah, yeah, yeah. you it's know. So. And David just hits the ground running, and so you know he mm-hmm. goes from uh, quickly from being a show that set draftsman on the land to he uh, is an instrumental part of the team for the Alice in Wonderland redo for Disneyland that opens in 84. Likewise, he's really into the Epcot DNA. He's working on The Living Seas at Epcot, which open in January of 86. But at the same time, he's helping to bring Disney-quality shows overseas. He does the Cinderella Castle Mystery Tour for Tokyo Disney, opens July of 86. Likewise, he works on the Star Tours for Tokyo Disneyland, which opens in July of 89. So he's a great choice to try to fix Journey into Imagination. The problem is, just like we mentioned on the last show, there's still, it's a severe cash crunch. If anything, Codex problems related to the the rise of digital photography, that sort of thing, have gotten worse. Yeah, and we're in a recession after 9-11. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, So there's just not a lot of arrows in this quill. So David has to make Smart choices, and step one is people want the Dreamfinder figment back in this attraction, and there is just not any money to bring back the Dreamfinder uh, figures. You know the, these very the sophisticated-
0: They're expensive, right? And they're and the reason why they took them out was because they were expensive to maintain. There we go. Okay, fair. A lot of this is just timing stuff, like.
1: If 9-11 hadn't happened, yeah. they might have had more money for more figures. This is really interesting. That was especially challenging for David because it's like, I don't have money for Dream Finder, but I can bring some figments back. And and luckily, all of the mm-hmm. figment AA figures that are pulled out of the show were in storage. But as David's oh. reviewing them, they're all very simple figures. They're all set up to be doing like just one gag at individual turns in get the the original ride path
0: because there were more of them and you know you you put a bunch of like single purpose things together and it looks like it's doing more things okay all right makes sense
1: he realizes okay so i i need to put figment in the show and what if i got to work with and it's like thank god the show had in the queue all of those video screens over the queue where eric Idle previously appeared so it's like I can redo, I can refilm all of these segments again with Eric Idle. Only now, I'll have him interacting with Figment right from the get-go. So it's like reminding people who are in line, "Hey, you're going to see Figment inside of this attraction." What he's not revealing, though, is Figment is largely going to be on screen. That we will get the leftover animatronic figures again in the grand finale of the ride, yep. but most of the time, you see Figment in this this attraction he's going to be the CG version of of Figment. Another challenge that David faced down is Billy Barty, the the actor who had previously voiced Figment. Uh, He passed away in December of 2000 at the age of 76. And who is someone who can voice, sort of sound like Billy Barty's? So I can get that same energy. And uh, weird kind of coincidence. This is when Disney, after letting the Muppets slip through their fingers, in 1990, the Muppets, once again, are are within reach. In fact, Disney will finish finally acquiring the Muppets in February of 2004, but discussions have opened, and David takes advantage of this moment to reach out to Dave Goles, who is the guy who voices, not only voices, but performs, Gonzo the Great. And it's like, hey, how would you like to be Figment? And Dave was flattered and, and agreed to the gig. So you know, at the the very end of the tra- the attraction, where we previously had had you know you you're still doing the whole you know we're testing your senses. We scan your brain at the beginning. We scan your brain at the end. Only we have figment in the middle doing his skunk impression and, and, and things like that. But sure. at the moment, at the end where supposedly the machine reacts, as oh, your, your brain is full. You're, you have a great imagination now. David used this moment to pull every single figment animatronic that he could find and stage this grand scene of, I, I want to say there's 15 different figments in, in various different poses.
0: And those are all from the original show. These are the original, all from uh, the
1: original show.
0: Wow. Impressive.
1: It's sort of like going through Monsters, Inc., Mike and Sully to the rescue at at California Adventure and trying to decide which members of the CDC. It's like, okay, that's Drew Carey and that's (laughs) (laughs) Jackie. So so there's 15 of these in the big finale scene, and
0: each of them is doing one one or two movements, like each of them is doing the Some of them aren't moving st- at
1: all. Oh. For example, there was this the, the famous Figment from uh, the ride who's literally holding the book full of scary stories closed, and it's just sort of like, all that figure used to do is just sort of rock back and forth as if it's straining to hold the book closed, and that's up there on the wall, and Figment hitching the ride to go into the science scene, he's up there as well. I mean... Mm. David did what he could with these things. And we finally get the attraction open in January of 2002. Uh, and now, of course, to underline, circle, indent that, all right, we're giving you what you want. The ride is renamed Journey into Imagination with Figment. Sadly, three months prior to the opening of the attraction, Dave was sent home. And uh, it wasn't because of anything he did. In fact, Imaginary basically had to order him home because he was having health issues at that oh. point. And they turned out to be pretty serious health issues because we lost Dave just one year later, uh, January 20th, two, uh, 2003, uh, at the age of 46. And this was due to complications related to non-Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma. Oh. He was a great guy who lived and breathed Disney. And not only that made it. And, and so the fact that we have... The journey into imagination with figment we have today that gets us partially back to where we wanted to be with that ride. That's all David. And he's the one who, who figured out how to do this with no money and little time. And, you know, I still miss the guy. But. And not the only one who misses David Mumford, or, or for that matter, who, who recognizes the Herculean effort that this Imagineer put in to try to save this future world pavilion, uh, turn journey into your imagination back into something that guests who'd previously fallen in love with find could, could once again enjoy. Uh, this is why Richard Sherman, who's one half of the Sherman Brothers' songwriting team, goes out of his way to attend David Mumford's memorial service, wherein, in recognition of all of David's efforts to, uh, to bring Figment back to life, Richard gets up, goes on stage, and then plays One Little Spark, for everyone who's in attendance at Mumford's memorial service. And honestly, I think this was the only time ever that this happy, very upbeat tune ever made people cry. But now, you know, Disney realizes that, okay, people really do, in fact, like this character. So we get some strange moments. I mean, do you remember Figzilla? No, what was this? This was the walk-around version of Figment. But instead of being carried around in, in the DreamFinder's arm, he's a six-foot-nine walk-around character? Holy cow, no. Well, this is what happens when you slip steroids into the, that bowl of figment chow. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be terrifying. I mean, you could be,
0: but, but also probably very funny.
1: Well, it, it led for some very interesting reactions. They created a meet-and-greet space right next to the it, it was in uh the retail space for the journey into imagination pavilion and you could go in there and get your picture taken with with figment in front of a, a rainbow background and there were a lot of little kids who you know oh boy i am going in to see ah what <laughs> happened he was cute a little on the ride likewise in the late 2000s there was a lot of talk At Imagineering, because people, they were still getting the comments. It's like, okay, it's great to see Figment. Where's the Dreamfinder? So they talked about for a time replacing the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience movie with a brand new 3D film. This one would feature the Dreamfinder as a character in the film, Mm. but we need a celebrity in this show. So there was one version of it where Jack Black played the Dreamfinder. And then there was another version of the scenario where Jack Black played the Dreamfinder's son and who had basically been given the keys to the image works and things go horribly wrong. That idea gets tabled in June of 2009 when when Michael Jackson passes away and for a time Disney sees an opportunity to bring back Captain EO. Uh, In fact, just literally a year after we lost Michael Jackson, June of 2010. Captain Eo comes back to Epcot and comes back to Disneyland. But of course, before that happens, it's December of 2009, and that's when Disney buys Marvel. And there is all of this talk about not only will the Marvel characters come into the Disney theme parks, but it's also, well, what can Marvel Comics do with the Disney characters? And in 2014, they launched the Figment comic book series, which is kind of an origin story for the Dreamfinder. There were two separate runs of this book, and they've uh, both have since been collected in trade paperbacks. but you get to see the moment where the dreamfinder actually dreams up Figment. You get to see him do battle against the forces that that are challenging imagination. I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting kind of a thing. But a hardcover of that comes out in 2015. and this is just around the same time that Pixar's inside out. Arrives in theaters, right. and have you ever seen the the Figment cameo in, in that film? I can't remember where it is, but I think I, I think I have. Where was it? I want to say the character Bing Bong that Richard Kind voices in that film is showing right. joy and sadness around the childhood memories of a little girl who's who's running away, and they pass a train car that's being loaded up, and sure enough, there's an actual painting of Figment in there. Okay, uh, I, I do remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and at the same time, the Imagineers and and that sort of thing are always looking for places to bring in the Dreamfighter. In fact, it was only there for a while, but. If you went to the Skipper Cantina, they had sort of a series of announcements that would play in the restaurant. And you were in there a bunch of times at the Skipper Cantina. Did you ever hear the announcement about the gentleman with the beard and the top hat who was looking for a place to park his flying machine? (laughs) You know, I didn't get the reference then. I thought it was... uh... I thought it was a reference to like a top of the world thing or something but it's figment that's funny yeah yeah, it it, it was kind of cool so uh, jumping ahead at the June of uh, 2018 and Pete doctor has replaced John Lasseter as the creative head at Pixar which also means that he's WDI's liaison and the imagineers think ooh we have a new boss so Let's pitch something to the new boss that he would get behind. And so they come up with a plan to replace the 3D movie, which, which, by the way, at this point, the 3D theater at Imagination is now just showing the Pixar shorts. Which I do not think is a great addition to the park. Nobody's paying $160 a
0: day to get in and see that. Yeah, make any sense.
1: yeah i mean but again get you know, the the notion is let's put a new 3d movie in there and let's build this around mr doctors most recent film which uh, at that point was inside out they bring Pete over to the and 0 Flower Street. They sit him down. They show the whole pitch board for the not only the 3D movie, but they also show him. You know, it's like, well, what if we went with the whole pavilion themed around Inside right. Out? And Pete literally shuts him down. It's like, well, no, you can't do that. That's where Figment and the Dreamfinder live. Oh wow! Because so, <laughs> wow. Pete is is a Disney theme park diehard.
0: I mean, I told I told the story about how when uh, when my friend Chris Hammond, and I went. To, who's also a, a listener went to uh, went to Pixar and he did his talk on you know Monsanto and Disney, uh, their mm-hmm. history in the theme parks. I mean, the number of the number of Pixar employees there who are
1: huge.
0: Disney theme park nerds is oh, astounding. Yeah. Like, and, no. it, and that was just the people who came to Chris's talk. I mean, people obviously had you know, things to do that day because it, mm-hmm. it was business. But if you told me like three quarters of the people who work at Pixar mm-hmm. were huge Disney theme park fans, that my number might actually be low. <laughs> so yeah, I, I,
1: I totally get it. Yeah, yeah. Pete definitely drinks the Kool-Aid. I, I remember yeah. Pete was the, the guy who insisted on, for example, on the Indiana Jones adventure at Disneyland the thing that excited him the most is i got into the maintenance bay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: nerd <clears throat> <laughs>
1: we are 20 years 20 past years into revision 3 yeah, yeah yeah and and yet figment even today with with this not quite what it was back in the day when this thing debuted in 83. But still, you know, people clearly have affection for this character. I mean, just look at the lines back in February of this year for the the people who stood in line for hours to get a figment popcorn bucket, which... Now brings us to uh, the news that broke on September 30th where Seth Rogen's Point Grey Productions uh, has teamed up with uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Dan Hernandez and Benji Samet. Those the gentlemen who wrote that film. They are working on a figment film. This has not been Greenland. Disney is asking for a script, but evidently the pitch that Seth and Dan and Benji made to the company, very intrigued. And certainly given how much Figment merch, and and if you think about how prominently that character was featured in the 40th anniversary merch that that just came out earlier this month. Yeah. It's basically the face of Epcot now. Yeah. No, that's it exactly. And just the feeling is especially now with Disney Plus. If we can use all the content we can get. <laughs> there we go. And and But something like this where it's like, and that could be its home. That, you know, a worst case scenario, that's where it'll end up. But, you know, there's a possibility it could also get a theatrical release. So, you know, again, we can always hope against hope that if this is a hugely successful film, wasn't it supposed to be for the... F- the 50th anniversary that there was going to be the $250 million redo of the Journey into yeah. Imagination Pavilion. Yeah, which would uh, bring back some of the old track and... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Now, mind you, this plan was put in the works in 2017. That's an entirely different Disney management team in place. So but, yeah. but
0: and $250 million is a lot of money. I mean, yeah. that would basically make it a that would make it a, uh, a headliner pavilion
1: oh, yeah. in, in Epcot. But it was a total... Redo of the pavilion with the notion, bring back the ride and bring back, you know, and do a new 3D movie, but have not heard anything about that plan in years. Yeah, I mean, they're not that they're
0: not going to they're not yeah. going to spend that kind of money now yeah. on something on something like that. I mean, yeah. the fact that we're the fact that we're getting the uh, the DuckTales World Showcase adventure mm-hmm. is uh, surprising to me. So something that, and that does not cost $250 million. So yeah. something like this. I mean, they're, look, they're basically looking at that and saying, for 250 million dollars, we can probably greenlight five pilots on Disney Plus, which better for the
1: bottom line, and it's the pilots. You look at something like Tron: Lightcycle, which again went into the most po- already popular park at Walt Disney World, yeah. and and also again not to be mean here because they, they clearly are making a huge reinvestment in Epcot you know we're seeing it happen in real time but well, it's just sort of like before the very next time they touch the Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean can Disney please spend some money on updating Journey into Imagination with Figment I'm just saying I mean I don't get me wrong love the Hatbox <laughs> Ghosts, but how many times do we plus the Mansion you know over this period where Journey into Imagination with Figment has just been lying there this is my
0: thing, right? I mean, we haven't had a significant update to world showcase attractions, some world showcase attractions in 40 years, right. The front half of Epcot is still a disaster mm-hmm. and unfinished. even even when it reopens next year, will still be um, they'll still have development issues, yeah. right yeah. Animal Kingdom has what six attractions. Mm-hmm. You know what happens when one of those goes down? I mean, Hollywood Studios still needs more dining, still needs more attractions. There's, you know, we don't need to keep plussing up or or spending time or money or creative energy on adding something to Jungle Cruise or Haunted Mm -hmm. Mansion or Pirates. That's just not where the focus should be. Because more magic, Jim, in other parts of the park, we is go. really where <laughs> Okay, positive spin, positive and spin. we circle around to the positive thing.
1: Yes, okay.
0: So many opportunities to employ even more magic <laughs> across the Walt Disney World Resort, and I'm looking forward to that, Jim.
1: I really, <laughs> uh,
0: you stuck Thank the you. landing, man. I, nice I, callback. I, nice callback. By the way, uh, uh, speaking uh, speaking of, of TV shows, have you seen? Uh, are you watching Reboot? The TV show Reboot. I do not think I am. It's on Hulu, and it's mm-hmm. um. It's got Paul Reiser
1: uh, and a bunch of other oh, people. Oh, I like, have heard of this. Oh my God! Yes, the so funny. Gotta watch know, it. Uh, uh, yes, the, the the sort of behind the scenes on like Fuller House or, or that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a it's like uh the show, beloved kid show, like um Full House, uh, comes back. So from the early two thousands, they bring the original cast back twenty years later, and mm-hmm. but they're there's a new set of writers who has to work with the old set of writers and they're trying to make it more modern. It's just, it's very funny. It's a great dialogue.
1: Definitely. No, I, I, I've heard this is actually from the <laughs> modern family people and, and people are just raving about it. It's like, Oh, cool, very but, funny. Yeah. The, the other yeah. show that I've been
0: watching, you know, Laurel and I still trying to get through the love boat, but we're in the middle of season, season seven right now. Mm-hmm. And, It's just every episode's terrible. You can tell like (laughs) it's on its last legs. So we need sort of like a palate cleanser before we go to bed. Um, And the other show we're watching is the CBS
1: show Ghosts. Oh no, no! Nancy absolutely loves Ghosts, and I I, I have seen enough episodes passing through rooms that that's a very clever, very fun show. Yeah,
0: very, uh, very good writing in it too, Um, uh, and uh, in really good character development. So those are the those are shows that I've been watching too. Just a little, little throw in there. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the show today. You can help support our show and Jim Hill Media by subscribing over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. We've got a bunch of new Bandcamp exclusives available, including the one we recorded on the Disney Wish on the history of Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean. And we just recorded part two of our History of Carsland show. Next week's show, Jim will give us the history of Disney's Pop Century Resort, which announced its opening around this time back in 2001. You can find more of Jim at jimhillmedia.com and more of me, Len, at touringplans.com. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who will be selling Abuelita Adams' signature tamale recipe at Village Fest every Thursday in November, starting at 6 p.m. on North Palm Canyon Drive, just across from the sunny Bono statue, in beautiful downtown Palm Springs, California. And I'll actually be at this one for real on November 24th. While Aaron's doing that, please go onto iTunes and rate our show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. And for each week in November, we'll be giving away a free Disney Dish t-shirt to one lucky iTunes reviewer drawn at random. Do me a favor, please, and send me a copy of that review so I have your email address, len at touringplans.com. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.